Welcome to Finding Certainty with your host and U.S. Army veteran, Patrick Lang. Over the next hour, you'll learn from Patrick and his expert guests how to attract more certainty into your business and your life. Now, here is your host, Patrick Lang. Welcome to Finding Certainty. If you're a new guest, we appreciate you stopping by and spending your, your Friday morning with us. If you're a repeat listener, we're very grateful for our raving fans out there. We, we've heard a lot of feedback from our listeners. We're actually one of the fastest growing shows on Voice America. I think because there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty out there and people are looking for solutions or looking for ways to have more hope and more optimism in their life. And that's exactly what this show is about. If you're uh, getting to know Finding Certainty, we have a number of different types of guests, many of them business related, but also artists and entertainers and athletes and so forth, because certainty touches our lives in a number of different ways. That, that desire for certainty, for peace of mind, for assurance of where we are and where we're going. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Paul Yoakum, and his whole business, everything he does on a daily basis, falls right in line with this objective of knowing where we're at and knowing where we're going. So, Paul, thanks for being with us this morning. Really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, excited to be with you. Thanks, Patrick. Well, we actually got to get uh, get together in person just last week, didn't we? I was up in Utah with my uh, business partner, Frank Hellring, and we went to Bam Bam's Barbecue for some of the best barbecue I've ever had with you and your your partner, Lance. So that was kind of fun. Yeah, I think you had the uh, the barbecue nachos, which is kind of a staple for that location. So <laughs> I know I'd never even uh, heard of such a thing, and it was probably the best barbecue I've ever had. I, but I loved the uh, the combination of the barbecue with the nacho cheese, and the. Yeah, I mean, I'll be back next time I go to Utah Valley. I will for sure stop back at Bam Bam's. Yeah. Plug for Bam Bam's. Maybe they can be a show sponsor in the future. <laughs> Absolutely. Free barbecue for life, right? Right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, we, we always start out our show by, by sharing a couple of reasons why I've invited this specific guest on Finding Certainty. And, and as I was saying earlier in my intro, um, there is a great deal of uncertainty out there. And uh, in fact, had a guest on a few weeks back named Angel Tessie. She's a media expert. And right in the middle of her show, she Googled the word certainty. And there were thousands and thousands of hits just, just in the media, right, in the last 48 hours or so. But then she, on a whim, looked up the word uncertainty. And there were tens of thousands of hits. I mean, even hundreds of thousands just in the last you know day or two. And it says a lot about how people are feeling out there in America. They're feeling you know, nervous and, and worried and unsure of what's happening, rising costs, you know, political division, and the list goes on. So one of the first reasons I wanted to invite Paul on our show is his company, Find Mojo, which I love the name, by the way, um, but they are combating this. They're, they've created an assessment that can help organizations of any size, from large to small, they can offset the uncertainty that so many of them operate under. Secondly, Paul has a, a, a wealth of experience in training, in development as a, as a speaker, as a program developer. Um, 
you know, I, I, I've met a lot of people in my life, but very few have your resume, if you will, your, your, um, curriculum vita, your CV of experience in this space, right? Of developing organizations and their people. And that's what every one of us want. We all want to get better, right? And if we don't, we're probably not going to be around for much longer. So, uh, so anyway, again, thanks for being here. Um, looking forward to the conversation today. Um, uh, you know, we've taken your assessment. We've, we've gotten to know you and now we're introducing you to others because we believe so much in what you're doing. And, uh, why don't we start out by getting to know you a little bit, though? Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and about your family, maybe, and what what brought you to where you are today. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Patrick. So, I am born and raised in the great state of Utah. So, I was raised uh, my formative years in a little town called Ogden, Utah, which is about thirty-five miles north of Salt Lake City. So, if you've ever been out here, we've got some great skiing. We've got three world-class ski resorts that weren't too far from my home, um, a couple of which were featured in the 2002 Salt Lake Olympics. The Super G downhill was uh, carried out at Snow Basin, so for any skiers out there. Uh, I currently reside about 45 minutes now, almost an hour south of Salt Lake City, so I've kind of gone to the other end of the valley. If anybody knows Utah, three-fourths of the population lives along what's called the Wasatch Front, which is a mountain range. And um, I've lived here for about 20 years. So married, got three kids ranging from 25 to 15. We we spaced our kids not on purpose, but uh, five years apart, just, just kind of happened that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I've got a 25-year-old son, a, oh, I guess she'll be a 20-year-old daughter and a 15-year-old son who will be starting high school this year. So that's going to be an adventure uh, as he gets his driver's license here in the next <laughs> 10 months or so. That's great. Uh, I, yeah. have, I have five children myself, um, 25 to 17. So I married a widow with three kids and went from zero to four in a year. <laughs> there you go. Instant they were four, three, and one. We have two boys together. So Yeah. So my journey to, to where I'm at today, kind of, it wasn't a traditional path to becoming a you know, a consult, a management consultant or a trainer, if you will. I, I actually have a background in marketing and for, I don't know, 15 plus years, I worked in different marketing capacities and different marketing executive roles. And along my journey, I started teaching marketing classes at some of the local universities here in Utah. And I fell in love with teaching. I fell in love with leading people in a classroom and helping people you know, learn and things like that. And it probably has to do with the fact that both my parents were school teachers, even though they tried to tell me, Paul, whatever you do, do not be a school teacher. But I just, I feel like I have it in my DNA. And so as I, you know, my path progressed in the corporate world, I ended up pivoting from marketing. I I still dabble in it, if you will. I, I, on my LinkedIn bio, it says I'm a recovering uh, marketing executive. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, I fell in love with training, consulting. I have no trouble being in front of an audience. I I, I love um, entertaining. I love instructing and facilitating. And so as my marketing career took me into the corporate training world, um, in a previous company for eight years and now um, with my own firm, I've just kind of carved that out. And so um, I love the the elements of instructional design. I love I love just seeing people feel like they they you know 
they're, I know it sounds kind of cheesy and cliche, but just if people can, you know, change their way of thinking or get a little bit more out of life or what they're doing. And so our work today focuses, as we'll talk about, I'm sure, primarily on helping people find more certainty and enjoyment and fulfillment in the work that they do every day. Right. Well, you've, uh, you know, you've created and developed quite the name for yourself as a master trainer, as a you know, a lead instructional designer. You've, and your, and your programs seem to follow a theme. I mean, just some of the titles, find your mojo, you know, what motivates me all in uh, leading with gratitude, core motivators for sales performance. They seem to, there seems to be a theme here, Paul, <laughs> if I may say so. They all yeah. seem to be revolving around inspiring your people, motivating your people, and, and leading in a way that draws the best out of them. Am, am I safe in saying that? Yeah, you know, our, our work, our firm's work, we, 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 uh, we spend about 90,000 to 100,000 hours of our lives working, which is, you know, about three-fourths of our life. Right. And that's a lot of time to be spent doing something that you're miserable in, something that, you know, we're not saying that every day is going to be perfect, but that's a lot of time to be spent doing things where you're not fulfilled. And we've seen every data point conceived on this topic. But the one that really always jumps out to us is that people who are happier and fulfilled at work tend to be 150% happier in life overall. You rarely probably ever met somebody who, is super miserable in their work, but really happy in life. You know, I want whatever they're, whatever they're taking, I want. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, and I can't take full credit for, for all of this work. Uh, I've got some great business partners who are New York Times bestselling authors and researchers who have really studied culture for decades. And, you know, and the reasons why people want to quit a job, the reasons why people what, what keeps people, you know, what, what helps them move their motivation up or down? I mean, most people don't go into a new job and think to themselves, you know, I'm going to phone it in and mail it in. Most people are pretty excited when they start a new position uh, or a new role or a new assignment. But six, 12 months later, you check in with them and they're completely miserable. And so it's almost like, you know, your teenager driving your car and hitting the curb. It's like the alignment's completely off. Where did things get out of alignment? Right. So we, uh, you know, there's been a lot of books written on the topic. There's been a lot of speeches given on the topic, but we try to take things, um, approach things from a scientific manner. And that's why we created this motivators assessment, which we'll we'll talk about because it's, it's grounded in behavioral science. Well, it's incredible. You know, I, I, it's not hyperbole when I say you've developed a name for yourself, these programs that you've been instrumental in developing or helping develop. I mean, they've been used by, what is it, 75% of the Fortune 500? Um, you know, now you're invited to come and speak on organizational uh, management, on leadership topics all over the country. And um, isn't it interesting how in our careers, we don't usually set out with a goal in mind. I mean, some do, but I think I would say it's an adventure to say it's the majority of us figure it out as we go along. And we don't always end up where we intended to end up. But your career has taken this path of you just finding out what, that you, what one, one, you enjoy teaching and you enjoy training. I'm the same way. I love getting up in front of a group and I think we're the odd duck out that actually enjoy public speaking, right? Right, right. People is you know, their number one fear. But, um, but isn't it funny how you 
you just kind of peel back the layers and figure out something one that you're good at and two that you're that you enjoy and hopefully in the process you end up in a in a role where you get to do those things and uh you've certainly done that um but it's hard it's hard figuring it out we don't always know ourselves as well as we wish we did right we think we do but yeah subconsciously there's things going on and and interests and as we get into uh, after our first break here, I want to get into how the motivators assessment works because it's such a powerful tool as, based in science, as you've said, that helps us peel back those layers and helps us get to the heart of that artichoke, right? Right. Exactly and what right. we can do with that as employers or employees is extraordinary. So as you look at your career, let's talk about maybe the past a little bit. What was an experience you've had during your journey, getting you to where you are that stands out in your mind? You've worked with some extraordinary companies, some, some really great programs, learning and growing and developing into the Paul Yoakum of today. Is there an experience or a story that stands out for you? Yeah, you know, there's there's numerous ones. If I had to I had to pick one, I just kind of maybe encapsulate it. We, like you mentioned, we work with clients large and small from the biggest of the Fortune 500. I've had the privilege of, you know, working with some of their leadership teams all the way down to the small business owner who's, you know, got 15 employees and is worried about payroll and you know tax benefits and things like that. And right. and and I just love hearing that more than anything that, you know, this this really made an a difference to us. We were able to you know keep an employee's in their position longer than than they thought or you know what i really discovered this about myself this this tool that you have really it really nailed us so just i'll just give you a quick example we were working with um uh, a vice president at wendy's everybody knows wendy's sure. and she, she and her team took this motivators assessment which we'll explain more about but at a high level one of her top motivators was pressure the manager the division vice president and she loved tight deadlines. She loves, you know, when she's under the gun or the lights are the brightest, she's at her best. She's like, I love it when my schedule's full. She needs that in order to get things done. Mm -hmm. Well, she had an employee who was one of her top employees who happened to have the same pressure motivator dead last. So there's these 23 motivators that we all have. We'll explain more here in a minute, but she had it dead last. And she was constantly stressed out at work to the point where she found out that, or, you know, she told us, I love my job, but I can't work for, I can't work for Diane. And Diane was flabbergasted. She thought, I've got my best employee here who's not fulfilled. She had no idea she was stressing her out. She had this major blind spot. So this completely changed their relationship and the way they worked together. She would give her assignments that had longer lead times and they would, she would check in on her stress levels. Anyway, we heard from the employee and the employee said, you know what, this saved my job. And so stories like that obviously are are certainly, um, you know, what we love to hear and a lot of the reason why we are trying to do what we're doing. And we're not going to solve everybody's job problems and turn every terrible boss into a great boss. But, you know, that was an opportunity where we found people, uh, an opportunity, you know, to the, to the point of the name of this show, um, some more certainty in their job. And so. Exactly. You know, it's interesting because um, I talk about how we don't always know ourselves, but certainly us as employers, as leaders, 
we don't always know our people. We think we do. I mean, this is a great example of that. I think a, a, a you know a, a, an executive or a manager, an owner, a leader with integrity. They care about their people. They're trying to do the best they can of leading and inspiring them. But so much of it is unknown. And even when we think we know somebody, so often it's unknown. And you you talk about the uh, great resignation, right? The quiet quitting. Yeah. Talent retention is so important and, and development is so critical. And yet people who are unsatisfied, they're leaving or they're they're just there's those who stay, but they don't produce anything. Right? They're just phoning it in, as you say. Yeah, um, that's a real problem in the workforce. And to your credit, which we're going to talk about in the next segment here, you've come up with a solution that is truly making a difference. It's not just not just a hope. You're you're seeing the results in companies all over America. So. Yeah, we've done the we've done a lot of the research on why people quit jobs and. To your point, you know, especially as you look at younger generations and, uh, you know, 75% of millennials or excuse me, Gen Z say that they've quit a job for mental health reasons. 50% of millennials say they've quit a job for mental health reasons and only 10% say they feel comfortable talking to a boss about it. And so, you know, we can dive into that a little bit more as well. But the reality is, is we live in a, a, a time of the most convenience we've ever had in the history of the world, although world's information is in our pocket. We live longer with modern medicine than we ever have before. And yet our younger generations are more stressed out. And what's driving that at work anyway, is the fear of the unknown, not knowing if they're going to have a place. And so, um, or where the company's going or where their, their career is headed. And so we we're trying to combat that by shining a spotlight on the unknown. Well, just like the title of our episode today says says that how the find mojo motivators can change everything and there this assessment i'm excited to get into it in this next segment we're, we're up against our first break here but um i think it's transformational and something that can that can dramatically change and improve the workplace environment you're seeing it you're seeing it happen so i'm not just we're not just hoping right this is right. Uh, we have we have the data that's right. But uh, let's go to a quick break here and let our uh, advertisers talk with you. They want to talk, look at you and let you look at them. And uh, we're visiting with Paul Yoakum of Find Mojo. We'll be right back. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero-cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. 
Call 888-684-3122 to learn more today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty, T-E-A-M, like Mary, dot com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Welcome back to Finding Certainty. We're visiting with Paul Yoakum. He's the co-founder, managing director, or managing partner, is that correct? And uh, senior consultant with Find Mojo. And you know, when I first heard your name, I thought that was probably one of the coolest names I've ever heard for a company. <laughs> uh, we 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 met with a uh, mutual colleague of ours on Monday, where I introduced you and your partner to uh, to Transact Card. It's the uh, company we're we've been talking a lot about lately. Uh, Peter Rancy, the co-founder there, and the first thing out of his mouth was, "I love your name." Right? He just <laughs> very first introduction. So uh, prior to the break, we were talking a little bit about why employees leave and oftentimes employers are surprised that their employee left. They thought they were doing well, you know, they were performing and yet the employee wasn't happy. We talked a little bit about how we, we kind of fall into our careers. Oftentimes we don't, we don't even know ourselves where we want to go and what we want to do. I mean, I remember being in college and it took me forever just to pick a, a major because I, I thought about maybe going to law school, but in the summers I'd, I was doing sales and I was really good at it. And I thought, I'm pretty good at this. Do I really want to go to school for two more years? <laughs> you know, so I actually majored in English uh, technical writing because I figured, well, whatever I do, I'm going to need writing skills and communication skills. But I still didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. And I think there's a lot of us out there that feel the same way. We don't know until we've done it, right? We don't know until we, until we've been through it, and we start to formulate those understandings and those those um, interests and passions and so forth. So, um, let's continue the conversation about why people leave, because I think it's an important topic. We have a lot of uh, businesses and employers who listen to this show, and they ask the same questions. You know, how do I recruit people, and how do I retain my people? What do you? Uh, what are your thoughts on that topic, Paul? Yeah, great question. We look at this you know, yearly, and and everybody will assume that people leave because of money, and money is usually in the top five, but it has been re- replaced by a number of other reasons as the top reason, and it's different for everybody, obviously. But usually, you can boil it down to one of three things: it's people feel stuck. They just don't feel like they're progressing, not necessarily even in their careers, but just as human beings. They just are in a rut, right? And it could, that could be driven by a myriad of things. I don't like my boss. The company I work for has got a toxic culture. I, there's certain parts of my job I just don't like doing. Uh, so that's a common one, right? They just don't feel like they're progressing. And certainly in our younger generations where you know, motivators like impact and learning are important to them. If they don't feel like they're progressing and and growing as people and seeing the results of the work that they're doing, 
they get bored and they get frustrated. Uh, another big one, and you mentioned some of the titles of some of the courses we've developed, is a lack of recognition and appreciation. I mean, think about it, Patrick. When's the last time you've heard anybody come home from work and say, I didn't get anything done today because they were so busy appreciating all the hard work I do, or they were too busy showing me recognition, right? It's never been said in the history no. of, you know. <laughs> and so we, it's interesting when, when people leave a company and they have a formal exit interview with the HR department or whatever, and they ask the question, you know, why are you leaving? But most people want to leave on good terms and they don't want to, you know, burn a bridge. And so what do they say? They say, well, uh, I'm leaving for a better opportunity. So we worked with a company, I'll just share a quick example uh, here in Utah, they shall remain nameless, but they lost 100%, they had 100% turnover in their sales and customer service departments in the course of a year. Wow. And we looked at why people were leaving the company. And some of these were top performers who had gone to like performance club and president's club and things like that. And when, when they said, you know, when, when they asked the question, why are you leaving? They said, well, I'm leaving to pursue a better opportunity. When we dug into the data, we found that some of these people were leaving for 500 or $1,000 more a year. So I don't know how they define better opportunity, but they're not leaving for better a better opportunity from a monetary perspective. They're leaving because it's terrible to work there is what they're really saying, right? And right. so another, another place is going to be more fun. It has a better culture. They're recognizing their people better. Yeah. Something along those lines, usually. Exactly. And all these places that, you know, here, at least in Utah, among the tech sector, they've all got the same perks. They've got the free food, the ping pong tables, but that's not culture. That's those are perks. Right. And so, um, but a lot of these people just felt like they were stuck. They weren't going anywhere or the company wasn't going anywhere. And again, back to my earlier point about um, uncertainty, uh, the fear of the unknown. You know, I, I had a boss once where I didn't know I didn't know where I stood one day. It's like I could get fired the next day or I could get promoted the next day. And it drove me absolutely crazy. And so when leaders can remove that uncertainty or that fear of the unknown and answer a few questions for their employees, regardless of their age, like, you know, where are we going? And do you have a future here? And what is the outlook? Where are we heading, right? And, and start to be more transparent. It just, it, and obviously a way to shine a spotlight on that is helping them understand what drives them and gets, gets them out of bed. But that can reduce a lot of stress and anxiety um, for some of these workers that are, you know, they don't know what, and of course, COVID exacerbated that. You look at, was the workplace better before COVID or, or is it better now? And certainly things have de deteriorated in a lot of ways. It wasn't great before COVID and, and now, you know, turnover and productivity and motivation and all those key factors everybody talks about. In most cases, they're, they're worse, right? Right. Well, I read somewhere in your bio that you said that your passion is building high performance teams. And, and you mentioned three words that I think are really important. You said where people are engaged, enabled, and energized. I think those are some empowering words, right? Those are powerful words. Engaged means you're, you're, you're really engaged in what you're doing. You're involved, you're, you're, you know, you're, you're um, focused. You're not just calling it in, as you said. You're enabled, which means you have the skills to do it and the motivation, and you're energized, which I think is an important piece to it because you can be engaged and enabled, but are you energized? Are you jumping out of bed in the morning, excited to go to work? 
and excited about being there, excited about where it's going to take you. You know, those are those are not easy things to accomplish in a workforce. So how do you do it? Let's let's get into this motivators assessment because I think it's a critical piece. And I'll just preface preface it like this, guys. There's there's several different types of surveys or assessments that are out there. We've all heard of the DISC survey that analyzes our skill sets and the Gallup survey and so forth. And some some an, analyze skills and some an, analyze personality and so forth and so on. But those things are usually fixed. They're never going to change, right? And they're usually pretty apparent if I'm a red or a yellow or a, a D or an I or whatever. But motivators, I think, are much more under the surface. They're much less um, less apparent, right? Less observable. Yep. And they also change depending on what cycle or what stage of life you are in. So let's talk about the the assessment because it's, it's based in science. I know your your company, you say motivation is our mission and per- passion is our purpose, but the science of motivation is what it comes down to. So do you mind just sharing the background on it and let's let's get into how it works? Yeah, you bet. And it, it all started with those three E's. I wish I could take credit for them, but I'm my my two two of my business partners, Chester Elton and Adrian Gostick, want to give a shout out to them. They did a big research study and they looked at what are the components of a high-performing team or a high-performing culture. And they exhibited these three E's, right? We love it. Their people are enabled, or excuse me, they're they're engaged. So they come to work and they bring their best selves to work. They're willing to work uh, harder without being asked, right? They're enabled. They have the, t- the tools, the training, the skill set, the environment to succeed. And they're energized. They're excited about it. We have a lot of people who work hard, but they just aren't really super excited about it. You, they're just going through the motions. And so the motive, we wanted to really kind of dig into that energize piece. And so, and you're right, there's, there's all sorts of assessments out there in the market and they do serve different purposes. For example, the first dimension that most people look at to try to get to know themselves is what is my personality? Well, our personalities are baked into us by the time we're eight to 12 years old. Are we introverted? Are we extroverted? And great tools like DISC and Myers-Briggs and some of these other assessments measure that. And they'll ask a question or two here about motivation, but they don't really get into it. And then the second dimension that we look at is what are my talents? What am I good at? So something like a Gallup Strengths Finder or some sort of strengths-based assessment is really good for measuring that. And they'll tell you that, you know what, if you're doing what you're good at, you're going to love it. Well, that's baloney. I mean, we all, everybody on this on this on this broadcast today can think of something that they're good at that they don't enjoy doing. So, and there'll be people that tell you, well, following your passions is hogwash. And yeah, there's things that we're passionate about that we're not very good at. We call those hobbies, but we look at it from a scientific approach. So we found that just because people knew who they were and what they were good at, they were still disengaging in droves. They were still checking out. They were miserable. Turnover was still high, right? And so, uh, and Gallup even, Every year they produce their their worldwide study on employee engagement and 80 something percent of the world's workers are disengaged or actively disengaged. And so we wanted to look at it a little bit differently. So we we undertook a study that was conducted over a 10 year period and comprised of more than a million working adults all around the globe. And we took this data to our team of organizational psychologists and clinical psychologists, people much smarter than myself, and we had them mine the data, and we were really trying to answer three questions. One, 
what makes a person want to quit a job? What factors increase and decrease motivation? We're not always all in or all out, right? We're probably somewhere on this continuum. And lastly, is there a way that we can gauge what's most important to a person in their work right now today? And to your point, unlike strengths and personalities, our motivators can change based on our situation, either at work or in life, and they can fluctuate quite a bit. And the result of this, all this research was we found that we all have 23 common motivators that we share as working adults. The difference is, is we have them all in a different order. For me to have two people with the same top 23 motivators in the same order, I'd need more than a million people. But as managers and leaders, it's just so easy for us to treat everybody the same because it's easy or it's fair, when in reality, everybody's wired a little bit differently. So if we can, quote unquote, manage to the one and align people's work with what they're passionate about, I'm not saying we're going to fix every single problem or that, you know, somebody's always got to take out the trash. There are certain tasks that just have to be done. But if we can add an aspirational element to a person's career, like where do you want to go and develop people using this motivators data, it really can create loyalty and the three E's in an employee and a team. So it's, it's, it's pretty cool. hundred percent. You know, as I said, we've taken this, I took the report or the assessment myself and got my motivators report. Um, it's interesting because a lot of it you read and you think, wow, that's, yeah, that's me for sure. I, I, but there were surprises in there. You know, a lot of salespeople, they find that money was not their biggest motivator, that it's number 20, 21 or 22 you know, out of the 23. And, and I think that comes as a surprise, especially to a lot of people in sales, because it's so, so much about make that sale, make that money. Right. And, uh, it comes as a bigger surprise to the sales manager who's just been throwing money at people, trying to get them to exactly. be happier, more fulfilled. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on sales training and they're, half their people are miserable and all they're doing is training them to build skills and go work somewhere else eventually, right? <laughs> Isn't that true? Because that's the uh, rub of it or the irony is these organizations, that's why I think what you do is so valuable to an organization is they're they're putting dollars and time and effort and bandwidth in directions that are not producing the ROI they want. It's not keeping their people. It's not It's not helping them want to stay longer. It's not making them more productive. If anything, it's just pouring it down the drain. A lot of the time, to your point, they're spending it on sales training or they're throwing it at spiffs and things like that. And all that employee wants is more time off with their family, right? Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, give them another week of uh, vacation. It'd cost you a lot less and they'd be immeasurably happier, right? Or whatever the case might be. Absolutely. I mean, money money's an important factor. It's how we keep score. We all need money to pay bills and go on trips and buy things, right? It's, we work sure. for money. But for a lot of us, it gets to a certain point in our lives where the money we're making is, at a minimum, at least meeting some of the needs that we have. And then other things become important. And so to your point, you know, if I've got somebody who's working for me and family is a top motivator, for them, I'm better off maybe looking at, hey, you know what, how can I give you more flexibility in your work schedule? How can I give you more time off, as you mentioned, versus just, hey, here's a bonus. They'll be grateful, but it's not a guarantee that they'll necessarily work any harder, right? Every There's countless people on that are probably listening who have had a job where they felt they were well-paid, but didn't mean that they were necessarily happy, right? So, But there are those out there that are driven by money, 
And that's fine. All these motivators are positive concepts. And so we're not going to knock somebody for, you know, wanting to make more money. It's just, it's important for, for people to know that about them and they can approach the way that they, they work differently. I think it's interesting. It's a double-edged sword. It's a double benefit that when you do this assessment with employees, one, they understand themselves more, but the management team knows how to manage them. They know how to assign roles and assign deadlines and assign, you know, create spiffs or rewards or recognition. And the thing is, is you can't have a a cookie cutter approach, right? One size does not fit all. Yeah. Often as managers, executives, we're trying to use this, you know, this Xerox copy approach to, to managing our team. And we're trying to, and we're, we just don't understand why it's not working. Um, we're coming up on our first break or our, 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 our next and last break, but I want to get into how you use this to manage in more detail. There's some interesting pieces to this that we've, we're, we, we're experiencing here at Certainty Management, my uh, consulting firm, and I think there's things that you could share with us that are really in, invaluable. But before we do that, before we go to break, I want to share my motivators for the first seven. And as you've heard Paul say, there's 23 motivators. They put them in an, an entire list. They rank them from top to bottom. And they also group them into, they group the um, those who take the assessment into one of five different groups. The achievers, the builders, the caregivers, the reward-driven, and the thinkers. And it's interesting. We can talk a little bit about these these groups. But for me, and I'll tell you, when I decided to finally start my own company, I, I created a, the kind of company I always wanted to work for. And I've since surrounded myself with an extraordinary team. And I've, I'm trying to learn how to delegate. I'm trying to learn how to to uh, use this, this this understanding and these uh, and these experiences um, to make it a great place to work. But my top seven, just so you know, are autonomy. That was number one. Mine too. Problem solving, service, impact, ownership, <laughs> challenge, and family are my top seven. And it's funny because my wife or anyone who knows me would listen to those and say, yep, you're doing exactly what you should be doing based on those top seven motivators. And I, and I feel the same way. I love what I do now. I love being able to create and build and make an impact and give service and the different things we're doing as a company. It's really interesting because it took me 35 years to figure it out on my own. <laughs> if I had taken this assessment 30 years ago, I probably would be in a whole different position, maybe doing the same thing, but with uh, several more zeros after our paychecks or something, who knows. But anyway, any last thoughts in uh, 30 seconds before we go to break? Yeah, yeah, these five identities is what they're called are archetypes. And they're really the way your motivators cluster together, at least your strongest ones. And I love how you listed yours. And the fact that you love your job is because these elements are present. These, these motivators aren't going to necessarily tell you which sort of a job you should take, regardless of whether you're a lawyer, a doctor, a pilot, whatever. But if these elements are present in your role, you're going to be more fulfilled regardless of which profession that you go into, right? Exactly. All right. We're going to go to a quick break. We'll be right back. We're speaking with Paul Yoakum 
of Find Mojo, still the coolest name I think I've ever heard for a company, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Hang tight. We'll, we'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. If you're a nonprofit in need of funding, we can help. Certainty Management is a cost reduction firm that also helps churches, schools, sports teams, and other nonprofits raise unlimited zero cost funding. Best of all, you don't have to sell anything or ask for donations. Call 888 684 3122 to learn more today. That's 888 684 3122. Visit us on the web at certaintyteam.com. That's certainty, T E A M, like Mary.com. Certainty Management can help create more certainty in your life with our deep discount health insurance options, even for 1099s, part-time employees, volunteers, and more. Pay less to protect yourself, your loved ones, and your team. Call 888-684-3122 for a free quote today. That's 888-684-3122. Visit us on the web at CertaintyTeam.com. That's Certainty. T-E-A-M, like Mary.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are listening to Finding Certainty with Patrick Lang. Have a question for Patrick or his guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now, back to the show with Patrick. Well, you're still stuck with us here at Finding Certainty, visiting with my good friend Paul Yoakum about his company, Find Mojo. He's partnered with uh, Lance Garfin. And do you have other partners or is it just you and Lance? No, we've got a couple of other partners who are kind of the co-founders and managing partners. And then, of course, we've got a, a, a smattering of employees as well that help us right. sell, deliver. And, but uh, there's this kind of three main co-founders, myself, Lance Garvin, who runs our sales division, and a, a woman named Brianna Bateman, who is kind of our operations officer. So the three of us are kind of the principals of the, of the firm, but um, we've got a vast network of trainers and coaches and affiliates uh, and others that are uh, fans of the, the tool and, and, right. and have incorporated it into their life's work and some of their curriculum. Well, I love the fact that it will work for a small startup. It'll work for a large enterprise, you know, Fortune 500 company of which you, you've worked with several, Disney and, and uh, Pepsi. I mean, the list goes on and on. Some pretty significant clients there. And, um, and uh, you know, as we were saying before the break, I, I'd really like to talk a little bit more about how you use the, the assessment. Once you have it and you organize that data, uh, how do you use it to manage effectively? I have my ideas, but you're the expert. So, yeah. And I will say this, though, just as a preface. I, I love the way that it organizes in even on a page, you can create a spreadsheet that shows every employee, all their motivators, and and you can even create teams. You can create 
assignments you can create you can change roles you can add to roles whatever the case might be we were talking about the lady at wendy's and her one of her top executives it was miserable she was amazing but not happy with the way she was being managed so let's talk about that because i think for us to create certainty and i the show is called finding certainty but we talk a lot about how we have to create it we have to go develop it right it doesn't just land in our laps more often than not I believe this is a really important piece from for any employer out there for managing their people is understanding them. And if you don't understand them, how can you? A cookie cutter approach does not work, certainly not in the long term. So Yeah, you know, for the longest time. Yeah, you bet. You know, for the longest time, I mean, managers we we gotta treat everybody the same because it's fair, because it's easy. And that's just old school thinking. And so when we talk about you know the unknown, really, what the tool, the motivators assessment, does is it it's it's a light bulb. It shines. It gives people a you know common language. And what's cool about this assessment, unlike others, is that there is a team component. So, you know, you've taken the assessment and you're like, okay, now what? What do I do? Well, the assessment also comes with a pretty detailed forty page report that'll show you how your motivators cluster together into these identities, and then for each of these identities. It's going to show you, you know, who you are, where you thrive at work, which tasks are motivating to you, which ones are demotivating to you. It's going to give you some strategies on how you can, as an individual, enhance your value and do more at work. It also has a whole section on blind spots and how you can, you know, overcome unconscious bias and things like that, because we're not all motivated the same way. An achiever, for example, who wants to get things done and is very driven, can frustrate a thinker who wants to maybe be a little bit more deliberate and is creative. I had a session not long ago, Patrick, with a, a leadership team, um, and they had nine thinkers and one achiever in the room. And you could see that that achiever was getting frustrated. He wanted to, he's getting things done, problem solving. Right. The thinkers were just being creative, and they said, "Well, let's think through this. Let's what would the impact of that be?" and you know, let's just do it. And so these <laughs> motivators and, and identities can kind of bump up against each other. So what's so cool about it is we have figured out a myriad of applications that, that you as an individual can do, as well as what a manager can do for their team. So let me just give you a quick rundown. So I'm an individual. I've just discovered what motivates me. We've got a whole proprietary process called job sculpting, where we look at the career arc of a person, why they've accepted and left a job what parts of their job were fulfilling and weren't. We look at where, what are you doing today? Which, which tasks and responsibilities do you have that line up with your motivators and which ones are out of alignment? And then we, what do you want to do for the future? Could you alter a task to make it more fulfilling, maybe doing it in a little bit different way? Could you transfer it to somebody else on the team? You might not like doing it, but somebody else might like doing it. Um, and, and do it that way. And then from a team perspective, a manager can look across the team report and say, wow, I've got 11 people on my team and every one of them is motivated by learning, but learning's number 21 out of 23 for me. So I'm failing as a manager if I'm not providing opportunities for them to learn and grow, for example. You can exactly. see where somebody has a uniqueness on the team. Oh, this person's the only one. Patrick, you're the only one on my team motivated by service. You know, how would you feel about me putting you in charge of our day of caring initiative to work with the community out, you know, outreach initiative? And it's not that other people on the team couldn't do it, but you're probably going to enjoy doing it. You know, so often we think about 
giving a task or a project to somebody because they can do it and we know they'll get it done. And skills and aptitude are important, don't get me wrong, but if you have the opportunity to, to stop and say, well, I wonder if they're gonna enjoy it, right? For Let me give you a quick example. I've got two employees that I need to send to a networking event in a couple of months. I can send employee number one, who's motivated by autonomy and creativity and all the things that have to do with other people, empathy, teamwork, friendship, those are all bottom motivators. Now he could go and do a, he could go and do it. He'd do an okay job. Or I could send somebody like you, my business partner, Lance, who's motivated by fun, friendship, and teamwork. He's going to knock it out of the park because that's just what he's wired to do, right? Is, so this idea element, right? is in his element. So we call this manage to the one where leaders can play chess. We like, you know, man, great managers play chess. Average managers play checkers where you're, you're trying to align more of what people love to do and mm -hmm. less of what great frustrates analogy. them. So I, me I remember uh, Lance sharing with me an example of a lady who, uh, she, uh, her her motivator was fun and 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 teamwork and so forth. And so they put her in charge of planning out all of their events, you know, the Christmas party and the and the and the uh, you know, summer picnic or whatever. And you know, for some person, that sounds like just total drudgery, right? And that's what's interesting about it. You know, I'm giving you this job that I feel like I'm dumping it on you. Yeah. Like, Sweet. This is exactly what I wanted to do. <laughs> yeah. You don't if understand it lines that. Up, how if it lines up with your Yeah. I mean, how can you, how can you make those decisions, which are like chess? You know, I'm a chess player and you're, you're constantly thinking three or four moves ahead. Yeah. How can you do that if you don't have that understanding? You're just guessing. You're just shooting in the dark. Well, you're right. And so many managers, they, they have good intentions. And they'll even sit down with their people and they'll ask them questions like, you know, where do you see yourself? Where do you want to go with this? And oftentimes the employees don't really even know or have right. a plan. And, and far too often, so many one-on-ones. And again, it, whether you're a, a, a billion-dollar company or a, you know, a five-person organization, if you've got people you've got problems as we always joke, right? And so, so many leaders, they try and they, you know, most of our one-on-ones, we say things like, uh, where are we at with this project? Where are we at with this deadline? Instead of having a conversation every now and again about what parts of your job do you really enjoy? Which parts of your job frustrate you? And if we can couple that with some data and we can find all these other cool applications, like why would I recognize an achiever the same way I'd recognize a thinker? It's just going to be less meaningful to them, right? How can I have an aspirational conversation with somebody about where they want to go in their career if I don't even know what gets them out of bed in the morning? So you can use this for a myriad of applications, both from an individual perspective as well as from a team perspective. Well, I, I see it as something that anyone could benefit from, not just in the corporate world or in small business, but even in families and relationships and and so forth. You know, I want to, I want my wife to take it. I'm going to send her the link and have her take it. So I understand what motivates her better. You know, it's, it's funny because for a long time I worked for other companies. I was a, an employee. I made them millions of dollars, but I wasn't happy. And my wife, you know, different motivators, she thought salary benefits, you know, there's the security and that's important. And I'm, I'm sure once I saw her motivators, they're going to be a little different from mine. Yeah. Her credit, she said, I want you to be happy. You know, she looked beyond the, what was comfortable for her and beyond what seemed reasonable to her even. What's what just common sense. You know, her, her dad was a, a principal. Her mom was a speech pathologist. You know, they, 
they worked for the school district and for her that makes sense right it seemed to it resonates it's in her element but to her credit she said i want you to be happy i'll, I'll tell you a little insight about my wife i ask her where do you want to live honey and she always says with you with you <laughs> <laughs> so um anyway we're, we're coming toward the end of the show but anything we've missed or anything you want to add to well, I would love, if it's appropriate, if you feel okay, I would love anybody listening to be able to take this assessment for free. We normally charge $60 for it for our corporate clients, but for for listeners of you, Patrick, you know, they had to listen to me too. So the least I can do is maybe give them something for, for free. So I don't know if you want to put it in the chat or we can send it out, but the, the URL, and I'll say it slowly because we don't give this out to just everybody, but mm. the word assessment dot find mojo one word dot com slash free so assessment dot find mojo dot com forward slash free and you can take it you'll discover your top motivators your bottom motivator and your identity and uh, it's a great way to just kind of get started there'll be things that are confirming and there will certainly be things that are surprising when you take it i can certainly resonate with that i I said the first seven, as I saw them, I thought, well, that describes me to a T. The others, though, including the fact that money was fairly low down, because that's important to me. You know, I'm trying to build a company and a career and a retirement. And I was really surprised to see that it was in my bottom five. But but at the same time, not so much. You know, and once you, you go through that assessment, you're like, okay, yeah, this this makes sense. Even if I didn't realize it before. <laughs> Yeah, we've got a woman that works for us, and she's got five children, but she's got family at number 19 out of 23. And we, we always joke, hey, we're calling social services. You hate your kids, you know. <laughs> and she's a good sport about it. But the reality is, is she says, you know, these other when I'm fulfilled and happy at work, I know my family's going to take care of, he's going to be taken care of. Versus somebody who has family as a top motivator, for example, they look at that a little bit differently. They want work-life balance. They want flexibility in their work. They want to exactly. leave a legacy, right? So two two people who love their families but motivators at completely end of the different ends of the spectrum sure absolutely how do uh, people get a hold of you if they if they want to learn more yeah reach out to us at findmojo f-i-n-d-m-o-j-o dot com and you can learn about our assessment our workshops that we help you know our coaching programs to help individuals implement what they've learned and um, you can request a free assessment there and uh, yeah, we'd love to, to kind of hear what you're struggling with. If you've got people, they're probably not telling you the full story in terms of what's frightening to them at work, what they're uncertain about. This is just a great, easy way to start a conversation around, hey, let's see if we can figure out some things that'll get you more jazzed about work. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. I appreciate you being on the show today, Paul. I think what you're doing is making an extraordinary difference in the in the workplace and if people are happy at work they're going to be happier everywhere so it's a well great said. way to find more certainty in our lives so we are out of time thanks for listening everyone hope you have a fantastic weekend uh summer is passing quickly hope you're enjoying it thanks for joining us this morning and uh, we'll see you next week Thanks for tuning into today's episode of Finding Certainty. We hope you've gained some more insight into how to create more certainty in your own business or nonprofit. Join us next week for another taste of the certainty experience. Until then, we wish you greater certainty in all that you do.